This segment of the Bill Bunkley Show is brought to you by the Word of Life Bible Institute. A child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Excerpts from the book of Isaiah, 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 chapter 9, 6 through 7. And I just say Isaiah because sometimes at Christmas time, the pastors like to talk about Isaiah. Well, I'm going to talk about Professor Gary Ingersoll, the theologian that's going to be with us this afternoon. His, his very special presence among the kids at the World Art Bible Institute, forever helping them see Jesus through him in their lives. He's actually in studio with us today, braving that storm. Professor, I'm just having fun today. Good to have you with us. I kind of drove around it, if you will. The clouds are over there. You can see it. But my trip in was the the after effect. It was great. It was a Good little, to be here. It was a little stretched out a little bit, but I'm, I'm just having fun today because yep. it's the season. You know, um, we, we I, I spoke uh, of the last segment about a whole different world yes, of view. different and, way of looking at Very the prevalent in our world today, um, the secularists, not just the atheists. But today, we want to really go back. This isn't a myth. This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't just a, a, little, a little novel story. Just about every other day, we find something of, a, of an archaeological find in Israel that points to certain elements of either the recorded history in the Old and the New Testament, and today we're going to talk about the baby Jesus. Um, talk a little bit about uh, what was really the, uh, the the commotion over this little ba- over a little baby child. Bring us back and start laying the groundwork here. Well, a lot of Christians would say, "What's the big deal? Why are we spending so much time um, rejoicing over the birth of Jesus?" When it is a, a true statement is the reason the baby came was that he would go to the cross uh, to be um, the uh, the Lamb of God dying on the cross as our substitute paying for our sin. Why isn't our focus on Easter, hmm. not Christmas? Well, because Scripture puts the emphasis on the coming of a unique and special baby. And once that occurs, then you have the domino effect of several things taking place where that baby will become a son. That son will take on the robe of the government that God has appointed unto him. And so we have these several promises in Scripture that uh, when you see the baby show up, you know that God is at work in the world to do this new thing of bringing a new kind of government uh, in a, into a corrupt world. Mm. Talk about Isaiah, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah. But as for people who really want to drill down, who really want to study the written word, this is a very interesting prophet to our subject today because um, not just in that very familiar passage, you'll probably hear that at every Christmas presentation you go to out of chapter 9. Let's roll it back a couple of chapters uh, in chapter 7 because 
we're going to talk about the, this foretelling of his coming. And to me, it's exciting to, to consider this timeline. Um, uh, his coming uh, is set within the context of what's going on in Israel. Isaiah is a big book in the Old Testament. He has a lot of prophecies uh, with difficult subjects. The nation, the, the nation of Israel at this point, by this time in history, is split into the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Israel. There's two halves. The northern kingdom has all wicked kings, the nations not living for the Lord. In the south, it has some good kings and a whole bunch of wicked ones. At the time of Isaiah, you have King Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah, as we will find out as we continue on later in the book of Isaiah, uh, Hezekiah is going to pray a prayer of repentance on behalf of himself and his country. God is going to send an angel. That angel is going to destroy 185,000 of the army of the Assyrians. The Assyrians are going to go home. They're never going to invade Israel again. They're going to be like Switzerland. We're, we're just staying away from uh, a little Judah in the south, the southern kingdom. And so the people rejoice over this. Uh, and, he, uh, and, and here in chapter 9, he says, it's like the rejoicing when Gideon beat the Midianites, the oppressors that were stealing and burning our crops, and we were starving. It was a famine. Uh, and the people rejoiced during the time of the judges of the earlier book in the Old Testament. And so it's going to be like the time of judges with Gideon. It's going to be like the time of Hezekiah when God's angel drives off the Assyrians. And then we have Isaiah being told uh, that, by the way, there's a greater cause for rejoicing that's going to happen in the more distant future. There is coming a child who's going to be the son that takes on the robe of uh, the government of God. And, uh, and so we are introduced to this story about Jesus. Let me set this up, and I want you to comment, because as we see the story unfolding, there's a lot of parallels to what we see right now and what's happening around the world. The United States has just elected a new president. Every country has a leader, and then they have someone who's had their head diplomat of the State Department. Now, going forward a little bit, we're going to be seeing the rejoicing, but we're going to be seeing, for lack of a better term, heads of state, two months after the birth, are going to come to see this future king of Israel. It's just like what's happening now. A controversy because he had a conversation with Taiwan. Can't have a conversation. Well, let's go back to the time that we're looking at because here is a period where there weren't a lot of books around, wasn't electricity at night, limited time during the day, you sat by oil lamps. Talk a little bit about the fact that so much of what the world was accustomed to was oral history, storytelling. So as you hear the prophet Isaiah, that story is repeated over and over again. By the time Jesus starts to come, many people, not just in Israel, have heard about this coming Jewish king, this miraculous king, but other uh, people groups uh, have heard about it too. Talk a little bit about how this story starts to unfold because in some instances what people have heard passed down two or three generations, for the Jews it's very exciting because it's their king. 
But for others, there there's another uh, way of looking at it. Talk about how this story begins to build. For the Jews, it's the rejoicing. Well, they're a part of this son that's going to become the uh, the the one who wears the robe of the government. Uh, his is going to be a growing uh, government that's characterized by peace and righteous judgment. No uh, judges who look the other way and let politicians get away with terrible deeds. Okay? By but, force, right? Heavy-handedness, right? Well, that's what we want. We want a strong king, right? And that's what Israel just, had. I'm just setting up our yes. audience for a little okay. bit later. And so uh, we have several places in the Old Testament that talks about the character of this coming king. He is going to be the king. He's going to be a son of David. He's in. He's a prince of Israel that's going to be crowned as the next king of Israel. Therefore, a lot of genealogies yes. to prove that fact. Go uh, ahead. Matthew, uh, Matthew's gospel, Luke's gospel, both give us genealogies pointing that Jesus is of the right family line. He is in line to be this promised son who becomes Qualified. King. He's qualified. In the genealogies. Yes. Go ahead. Now, you've also got people like Daniel who were in exile because Judah doesn't learn their lesson that Isaiah is giving them. And eventually they are destroyed by the Babylonians. And Daniel is in exile, and he's talking about all sorts of future events. And some of those things have to do with these magi, these um, 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 uh, studiers of the stars, and they understand that God is going to announce the coming of this child, and um, apparently because of the ministry of Daniel to them, uh, several hundred years later, they show up uh, after the birth of Jesus. We saw his star. We come to honor him. The baby has been born that's going to change how the government, first of Israel and then of all the world, is going to be conducted. It's going to be a righteous government characterized by peace. And that's not what we see in the world today. There's, you know, it just, you know, we 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 long for peace, but we're in a world where, uh, you know, everything is is in turmoil. People blowing up themselves, uh, blowing up trucks, uh, bombing cities. We are not in a world of peace. So when the announcement that the child was born, this is a source of great peace. He that baby was worthy to be honored by those magi. Now, that's the larger picture of the Old Testament. Isaiah has brought us back to, let's look at the this glorious baby that has uh, been born. He talks about a couple of chapters earlier, our verse here, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, is chapter 9. But in chapter 9, he doesn't define the situation around the birth of a child. Earlier on in chapter 7, he does. Same book, same author. There he says, uh, I give to you a sign. A virgin is going to conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. Now, the last part of that name, Emmanuel, is that little syllable L. We're probably familiar with the, with the second most common name for God in the Old Testament, Elohim. Uh, oftentimes in the book of Isaiah, he uses the shortened form of Elohim. He just uses the one syllable, El. And so Emmanuel is a Hebrew word that means with us is God. Now, that doesn't make 
that's not how we normally would say it. We would say God is with us. That makes a comfortable English grammatical sentence. The <clears throat> emphasis here, the incredible thing here, is being pointed out because the name is grammatically backwards. With us is God. And so he's pointing out that the surprise thing is God himself has come to minister to us, bringing us this government of peace and justice. Okay, And so we have this great name. Emmanuel is with us in chapter 7. Now in chapter 9, we have another collection of names given to this person who is going to uh, be the what ruler of the world. He is the ruler of our lives as Christians, or at least he ought to be. Uh, and he will become the de facto ruler of the world when he comes back that second time that you mentioned earlier. Now, that's very well. important because we're going to hear again in a lot of the Christmas presentations, the government will be upon his shoulders. What people don't realize is they think about this first visit. That actually is jumping way forward to his second visit. Yes. when he is a ruler. So when we come back, going to take a break, going to be checking with SRN News. When we come back, we're going to talk about this concept of the government will be upon his shoulders because, hmm, what about the people out there for years that went into the area of the separation of church and state? Not the fact of the church, of the state not imposing itself on the church, but that we church members should have nothing to do with the state. We shouldn't vote. We shouldn't this. Now, how can we be worshiping a future uh, Messiah where the government's going to be on his shoulders and act like uh, separation of church and state from the point that's been, you know, sort of um, flipped around, as I say? Yes, the problem with that is if we separate church from state, we are also separating the foundation of ethics that lead politicians to be righteous in their conduct. Ah, now evil creeps in, and they're not going to do what's just. They're going to do what's profitable. And I got to tell you, that's why this part of Christmas I can't wait for. When I sing and the government will be upon his shoulders, I got to tell you, I fast forward to the new Jerusalem, and I fast forward to all of us uh, who have been faithful to him because he says we will rule with him. We'll pick now, up that Don't when we forget, come back. that's the source of our joy. That um, is the whole point of all this commotion about Christmas. And not based on happenings. It's based on joy. A deeper subject. A deeper subject. Uh, okay, let's, uh, Ace, let's go ahead and take a break. I was going to put the phone number out, but we're not taking calls, so I won't do that. <laughs> I'm just all wrapped up now. I'm all ready to go. Hey, let's find out more about this Messiah. Why was the joy? Well, they thought he was going to be a king with the government on his shoulders well back after he was born. They didn't understand that that was going to come many years later, and even us today are still waiting for that day to come. More of the Bill Bunkley Show, along with Professor Gary Ingersoll, the Word of Life Bible, Inst Word of Life Bible Inst Institute in Hudson. Why all this rejoicing with the baby Jesus? More when we come back. Welcome back. Let's jump back into it. I got a lot of ground to cover in about uh, 12 minutes or so. Professor Gary Ingersoll is with us from the World Life Bible Institute. I uh, want to talk about the opportunities uh, very quickly to go up and uh, all the conference center facilities that uh, you can have an opportunity to bring your class up, your church uh, to do. 
uh, got hotel accommodations all the way down to cabins. Talk a little bit about the opportunities there. Oh, I just met with a family today from the other side of the state, uh, came over so that their daughter could take a look at a school. She's a potential student for this fall. Uh, apparently, she's quite the incredible young lady. She's dual enrolled in college, or still in high school, all that kind of thing, and looking forward to having her become a part of our campus and um, get involved in the kind of things that we do. We do more than just academics. Our students get involved in ministry, both in local churches, in uh, evangelistic outreach things. We've got a group on a Christmas tour now. And so there's lots of things like that going on amongst the student body to help them mature in their service for our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, I get to teach them the the stuff from Scripture, (laughs) but they need to be putting that stuff into practice. Next summer, my students will become the camp counselors at camp. And so, once again, that's our objective is to prepare them for life, not just to give them a, 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 a better head knowledge of what the Bible says. Mm. And what's your website if folks want to follow up? WOLFlorida.org. Yes. WOLFlorida.org. And of course, you can call us here. We'll connect you as well. We are just so excited about the great work there on campus. Now, when you go to your Christmas presentation this year and you see maybe a depiction of Mary on a donkey prior to the birth, know that this anticipation that we were just talking about, the idea that Jesus was going to be the Messiah, this Messiah would come and the government would be upon his shoulders. As you're watching these scenes, realize that many people with the oral history thought he was going to be the conquering king like a David. Uh, the you know, with the Roman occupation, all that was going on, the corruption at the temple, he was supposed to come and physically clean house. Well, that whole reference was not his first coming. We're still waiting for that to happen. That's the joy, our future joy. Pick it up from there because we want to have a chance yes, to go. We understand further. that there is a second coming where he's coming to finish his work, and uh, that first coming was his what introduction to the world, where he would serve us as. Uh, our uh, redeemer, but he is still going to come to be the one who takes on the role of government of the world. Now, both his enemies and his friends misunderstood this. You have uh, King Herod sending out the troops to kill all the babies that they find um, at Bethlehem. Let's get this child, kill the child so that we stop this promised uh, new king arising. As if that would stop God. Yes. Well, now, re- remember, the promise back here with Isaiah ends with a with a phrase we often overlook, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God himself is going to work it out where Jesus becomes who God promised he would be. And so the world tried to put him to death, okay, uh, at his birth, uh, at the cross, the, his his political opponents there, but we also have his own disciples. Uh, Peter says, "Oh look, there's two swords here. Let's take those with us." And Peter was ready to go to war with the Romans because the twelve disciples, Jesus, they had the two swords. Well, uh, you know, he misunderstood. He was ready. This is he was convinced. This is the Messiah. The Messiah is going to wear the uh, the cloak of government. 
He's going to carry the burden of government. He's going to bring us peace and justice. Let's go to war to make this happen. Well, he misunderstood. Uh, He didn't see the whole picture. In fact, there are places in the New Testament where Paul said uh, the Old Testament prophets, some of these things were hidden from them. These are mysteries that have been revealed to Paul in the New Testament. And so we have a better understanding as Christians now than what Peter or Isaiah in the Old Testament did about the first coming and his first work as our Redeemer. But there's yet that second coming and his work as uh, bringing the world to justice and peace, that double element. So we sing songs about peace on earth. Well, that hasn't happened um, in my lifetime. Uh, I don't think there's ever been a year in my life where the world has been at peace. Most always we talk about the American troops here or there around the world. Okay, We've got um, um, uh, Pearl Harbor Remembrance Remembrance Day tomorrow uh, because of the great uh, wars that we fought over the past century. Well, God himself says, I'm going to change all that. I'm going to bring peace through my son. Mm. Now, also what you're going to hear a lot during the next three weeks and, and at all of the very special Christmas presentations are going to be, especially if you're a veteran Christian, or at least if you grew up in the church, you know, it's this time of the year that there are there are just special descriptions that just seem to be repeated more during the Christmas season than at any other time of the year. And all of these were um, different approaches uh, to describe what this whole Messiah child was all about, this coming child. Let's talk about some of these descriptive phrases because we're going to be hearing them a lot over the next few weeks. Um, in Isaiah, he gives us four double names, okay? Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, um, and a Mighty God, okay? And these help to define for us, picture for us who this person's going to be. Wonderful Counselor is an odd sort of a name because it's two nouns. It's not an adjective uh, before a noun. It's not... His counsel is wonderful. No, he himself is wonderful, and he does counsel. They're both subjects presenting him to us. And the word wonderful, the Hebrew idea is uh, that is just amazing. Uh, That is supernatural. Think of the disciples in the boat with Jesus asleep in the back of the boat, and the storm comes up. They wake up Jesus because they think they're going to die. Jesus speaks to the storm, and there's a great calm. And they are amazed what manner of man is in the boat with us. Mm. That is the concept. That's the picture of wonderful. And then he counsels us. Our political leaders need that counsel from Jesus as he guides us to righteous judgment and peace. Now, some of the statements that Trump and company have made are can be viewed as very insightful, uh, warlike. Well, would it be that God gives him wisdom to be the man who seeks justice for the American economy, but he does it in a way that is righteous and that brings peace to America and other countries of the world? Mm. Wonderful counselor. And when we think about that, we also hear the words, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so, uh, Dr. Uh, Professor Ingersoll, 
each one of these, there's something about they are, there are phrases that when you ponder them or when you see them being depicted, they are very calming. They are very reassuring. They're very, um, they're just a wonderful state of mind. Talk about that because Since- I think it's, it's by design. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, since Jesus is God and he's mighty, then he has the ability to do what he said he was going to do. And God clearly, God the Father clearly says it's his intent to jealously carry out what has been promised about Jesus. He is going to become the everlasting Father. Now, there's a, for us, that's an odd name, okay? We talk about the Trinity, Jesus is the Son, God the Father. How can the Son become the Father? Well, this name, Everlasting Father, is not talking about the Trinity. It's talking about the element of time. Uh, It's talking about the character of the reign of this Son who's going to take on the uh, world government. He's going to take on the, the cloak of government. And he's going to reign forever, everlasting. It's going to last forever. And it's going to be a very God, a very fatherly uh, concern. Okay. He's going to look upon us and do what's best for us as a father would his child. Uh, it's, it's not the, a Trinity uh, concept at all. Okay. And so uh, his fatherly rule is what's in, in mind in that one. And then the one that brings um, peace to our hearts is we are in a war, in a world full of troubles, of woes. We've got millions of refugees who are in desperate situation. He's going to be the Prince of Peace, and his government will increase to influence the entire world. And so through Jesus, there will be peace on earth. And we sing about that. We rejoice in that because we have that promise from God who has said he is going to jealously bring that about. Now, we got to come in. I want want to really end on this because we think about uh, our atheist that we talked about. um, And many people, even in my own family, the, the young people will say, look, you know, I appreciate, you know, you guys are getting up there in age. Jesus hasn't come, isn't coming. You know, you guys are just, you know, blah, 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 blah. And when you look at this and you understand that people who don't know their Bible, at least know the facts, and that is when we talk about the Messiah will be called the Prince of Peace, since his reign will first bring in peace and then his government will increase so that his peace will never end. People think that that is the depiction of what we see in the manger scene and the whole story. Hey, it's a nice story, but he didn't deliver. They don't understand, Professor, that nowhere does it say he was going to deliver in that way on the initial visit. Let's end with that so that people have a little bit of a of the truth on why that is still valid because that is what we're looking for when he comes again and for us to join him for all eternity and be in, uh, in his kingdom. Well, the baby in a manger is a fulfillment of a portion of what God said he was going to do. We have with us God himself. Okay. He, yes, he was a baby, but he will become the son. He will become the, Prince of Israel who takes on the 
cloak of government, he will bring in peace to the world. But it started with this first element of the baby coming into the world. The enemies of Jesus sought to put him to death. The friends of Jesus sought to, well, let's go to war. And so they misunderstood that he had several things to do as the uh, uh, Messiah, the Lord Jesus. And so as um, his coming was the beginning of that process. And so that first coming was to save me from my sin. The rest of what he is going to do is to save the world from the destructive patterns that we find ourselves. Mm. So as you um, nestle in and listen to, we call it bumper music, when we come in and go out of our show from here out to Christmas, you get a sense for when you know what's going to happen, and you know what this baby Jesus represents, at the same time when you know uh, come the springtime, when it's time to focus on Easter, um, for us, we uh, focus not only on the birth, but on the cross at Christmas. Yes. That's what uh, my, yes. the tradition of, of my uh, faith is. And, and sometimes that does greet some people a little strangely uh, because they want to just deal with the cute little baby and the miraculous signs and the falseness of uh, the kings coming to the manger. But a that's bit only the first step happens. that's leading to something greater. God's timeline is is so much more in-depth than all of us. So I just hope that um, this would be a good time this year for each night for you to do a little more in-depth reading. Uh, hit the commentaries. A lot of it's online. Understand a little bit more about the true meaning of Christmas because I tell you that the more you dig deep, the more you understand what's happening, the greater those experiences are going to be at those Christmas presentations. And Professor, your final thoughts? My final thought would be there are about 300 Old Testament statements that are fulfilled in the birth and life of Jesus in his first coming. Uh, And because Jesus did exactly what the Old Testament promised he would do, but there are some few things remaining that he will do. He's going to set up his government then I expect those to take place just as completely as the first set did at his first coming. Mm. I want to tell you that is uh, what a good word, Professor Gary Ingersoll. We are flat out of time, but uh, thank you so much for a very thorough um, review. And I know that it blessed me, and I'm sure that it blessed you as well. And, uh, Professor, glad to have you with us today. What a joy. Thank you. Amen. Remind you tomorrow, Heart for Lebanon, we are going to help send the gospel of Jesus to Muslim refugees who are coming to him in Lebanon in their refugee camps. Don't miss tomorrow's program and Thursday. What a wonderful way to give. Coming up in a moment, moment, my pastor, Dr. Ken Witten, on today's edition of Living Truth, Surprised by Grace, comes from 2 Corinthians 12. I'm Bill Bunkley. To the Mart 4, God bless and... Good night.